so good. Amazing. Yeah, of course. Totally. Hey, love you guys. So glad to be with you again. How's everyone doing today? Good. Awesome. Hey, I want to welcome our um, Colorado Springs family. Seems like you're all right up front here. Is that right? Raise your hand if you're part of the Colorado Springs family. Okay. Yeah, you're literally all right here. Okay. Awesome. So here's what we're going to do today is we're just going to literally pick up where we left off yesterday. And a big theme we hit yesterday, are you guys good with that? If we just kind of enter right in, really sense just tremendous hunger and desire and willingness from you guys. So I'm going to match your intensity of desire. We're going to skip the warm-up phase if you guys are good with that. Warm-ups are for DTS. This isn't DTS. This is leadership training. Everyone say leadership training. So my expectation of leaders, which is you, everyone in the tent is a leader. Say, I am a leader. My expectation is you show up ready. You do all your activation at home before the sun comes up. I'm shutting my doors. I'm getting stirred up so that the moment we say go, the moment that the starter pistol fires, we're ready to sprint. A student needs to be coached into that. A leader shows up ready to roll. Are you guys ready to roll? Remember, I told you this week's all about leadership training. It's not DTS. So I can talk about that or we can do it. And what I've learned is the best way to learn is by doing. Doing is the best teacher. Does that make sense? Be like this. Like if I said, hey, I want to train you in physical fitness. We can play all the YouTube videos right now of the most inspirational people in the world. You know, and we would be so inspired. How many of you ever watched crazy feats of strength on YouTube or endurance? And you're just like, man, 50 marathons in 50 days. That's the craziest thing I've ever seen in 50 states. Man, that's awesome. I just want you to know I was no more fit at the end of that video than I was at the start. Can I get an amen? But I wish I was. Am I the only one who ever watches the YouTube video? And I actually touch the screen and I just say, man, spirit of impartation. I want to receive the impartation of fitness by absorbing it through osmosis. And then I become addicted to the inspiration. Is this, is this making any sense right now? And we have a generation that's addicted to inspiration but underfed on doing. And so as leaders, that's your responsibility, not mine. That's yours. You have to build a culture that goes, we're not a culture of hearers of the word. We're cultures of doers of the word, right? James talks about those who hear. Am I tracking it? I go too much too fast. What's the Bible say? That the man who's a hearer of the word but not a doer of the word is like a man who looks in the mirror, walks away, and forgets what he looks like. You ever considered what we would call someone who looks at themselves in the mirror, walks away and forgets their name? There's a medical term for it. It's called amnesia. So some people like us, we're living in a permanent state of spiritual amnesia. We're addicted to the inspiration, but we're under-exercised on the doing. And so the Bible says that when you live that way, you live confused. It says, describes that as the double-minded man, the confused man. So what I want to do is as a leader, I'm challenging you right now. No one is going to stop by your house and stir you up. You have to be someone who gets out of bed and goes, it's time to stir myself up. And the way I stir myself up is not by being a hearer of the word, but by being a doer of the word. So today we're going to activate right into the doing of the word because it would be so easy. You can feel it for me now. It's so easy as a communicator to just go right into preaching. How many of you ever feel that? How many of you ever preach and you're like, you have a whole game plan in your mind of how you're not going to do it, and then you go up and you just give right into it and just do it, you know? 
because the pull of the generation is just saying, inspire me, inspire me, inspire me. And I want you to know there's a place for inspiration. That's the whole frequency of what we're supposed to do as leaders. Yesterday, we talked about how do leaders cast vision. We talked about being a visionary leader. I'm telling every one of you, you have to be able to deal in the currency of vision. If it's day one on staff for you, you must learn to speak the language of vision. You have to be able to do that. But what I'm saying is this, at some point, you have to shift out of the gear of visionary into doing. I, are we tracking right now? So this morning, I'm going to risk it on God. We're just, I just believe so deeply that the Holy Spirit is so alive in you that we're going to spend less time on me talking to me today and more time on you doing. Are you guys in for it? So this is the only way this works, full disclosure up front, is you have, to, you have to reach inside that inner mechanism of you and go, it's full activation. Here we go. Boom. And so it's a decision of the will that clicks out of hearer mode, which is more DTS mode, into doer mode. So let's all do this. Close your eyes. Imagine whatever you need to, whatever that mechanism is in you, and go, today I'm a doer. I'm a minister of the gospel, and I'm going out to do it. Everyone say amen. amen. This is what I need everyone to do. I need you all to get into groups of four. Okay, groups of four. It's okay for me however you want to break up. Let me give you a few options, and then I'll let you choose from the menu. This will be a really simple menu. It's going to be an in-and-out menu right here, okay? Does anyone like in-and-out? How many of you would be sad if I had boxes of in-and-outs here for today? For Oh, I saw your face right there. That was totally a false promise, bro, but uh, you were into it instantly. Shiloh was like... Yes, inspiration, I feel it. No, I don't have in and out for you, but it's a really basic menu. Here we go, four options, three, maybe two. Here we go. Number one, you can do it Kona and Colorado Springs if you wanna do that. Number two, and there's always value in this, there's value in that because this week is all about how do you become the establisher and the guardian of your culture. I'm telling you the hardest skill set in leadership is the establishment and the maintaining of your culture. The number one war, man, I are you guys listening to me right now? Are you tracking? The number one most difficult assignment for every leader is the establishment and the, and the insistence on your culture. Number two, why is that hard? Because number one, you have to hear God before you can establish God's culture. And I'm just telling you, all across the earth, men are building their own culture. So before anyone else wars against your culture, who's warring against your culture? You're warring against your own culture. Am I building my kingdom or God's kingdom? My kingdom has to be the kingdom of, it's the culture of God. Everyone say culture. culture. Number two, newsflash, just because I say this is our culture does not mean that everyone wants to do my culture. So I want to really get past sort of the sugar candy of culture's cool. And I want to get you down to the real moment when you give the best visionary speech on what that you got. And you have the terrible realization that the room totally is not interested in your culture. What do you do now? Am I the only one who's ever had that moment? You have a basic assumption in your mind as a leader that goes, because you're inspired. How many of you ever have a quiet time and you're inspired? And out of your quiet time, your inspiration, you want to share your thought. Who's ever shared the thought expecting that your inspiration would have the same effect on the other human soul? Only to be shocked that they're looking at you blankly. <laughs> Who's ever had that terrible moment? And then you're evaluating like, what was the breakdown? Must have been them. That's always the conclusion I come to. 
So I'm trying to get us past those cursory things because it's so easy to go, like I did this yesterday. How many of you want to be culture shapers? Everyone's like, me. How many of you want to be culture defenders? Me. Okay, amen, we're all in. So now what? So I'm trying to get you past to those implicational steps to go culture setting is an all-out fistfight war. Was that too? It just is, man. And it's not permanent. Does that make sense? Like, I think a lot of times we fight initial battles in our bases. I'm just going to be real raw today. Today's going to be real raw because I help lead out circuit riders. And I'm just telling you, there's ne- we are every day, there's never a day we're not tending to our culture. So if you're thinking we're going to establish culture and then move on to other things, you don't understand how culture works in the human heart. Number one, study the concept of culture sociologically. And experts will tell you, you do not have culture until you pass your values from one generation to the next. So one generation with shared values is not a culture. It's just shared values. You don't technically have culture until one generation transmits that to the next. Everyone say transmit. How many of you know getting the next generation to be equally as pumped about as you are about your culture? That goes, that's tougher labor. Is this making sense? Then just like, then just like, guys, I think we should have a culture of prayer. And then am I the only one in the room who's like the expectation that everyone's going to like jump out of their chairs and be like, yes. Who's ever been like, guys, I just think right now. How many of you know you say right now when you're queuing the room up, like, please respond to me, make me feel better. Even now, God, even now, that's a cue for like, please respond to me. (laughs) Am I the only one who knows these things? Yes, Sam does. Even now, guys, I sense that God wants to elevate prayer in our midst. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to set culture. Can I get an amen? Amen. But who's ever had that moment when you say that you're, you're expecting an effect, a return on that? Thank you so much, Mary. How are you feeling today? You feeling better? Thank you so much. I don't know if you guys know this, but Mary had her wisdom teeth out. She's been such a hero. She's been overcoming, man, and pain. Did I get that right? Yeah. Even now, right now, she's being touched by the Lord. Do you guys see that? See? Got the effect. Amen. Same culture. Okay, so what I'm trying to get you to today is what do you do as a leader? Because I feel a lot of times like our leadership development stops at the point of inspiration. Like I say, like, guys, let's be culture setters. And then the whole tent goes, yeah. And I go, week over, let's go to the beach. And everyone goes, yeah. But then I'm, I feel, is this, I feel like too raw. But I've really set you up for failure. Because what I didn't tell you is that the young person is not coming to buy into your culture. So you have to win them. Did you hear what I just said? You can't demand culture. It never has worked once and it never will work in the future. Jesus didn't do that and he doesn't do it with us. He wins us with love. So I'm going to follow this just train of thought extemporaneously, but we're going to get to the real what of what we're doing. I'm just trying to give you the why we're doing what we're doing. Because if I don't give you the why, today we'll just be nifty tools and we'll never use them again. Okay? So what I'm saying is that I'm trying to get you to that point when you have that realization, like, how do I win the culture war? Number one is you have to win people. And you have to operate from a paradigm of inspiration. People usually don't want to be told what to do. They want to be inspired. 
So that goes back to my visionary talk later. You have to learn how to be an inspiring person. What's the number one tool for inspiration? It's not what you say, it's what you do, it's modeling. Yeah. The number one skill set for a leadership for leadership is modeling. What does your life say? Are you emulating your message? Are you living it in such a way that the message is attractive? There's a whole module, we don't have time and I couldn't print it out, but Dr. Robert Clinton talks about adorning the gospel. And he talks about the passages where it talks about, are you living the gospel in such a way that it makes it attractive to others? And you have to ask yourself the hard question, does my lifestyle look attractive? Because that's the only way to transmit culture. People will buy in on your culture when your culture looks fun, hot, and incredible. When my culture looks like a chore and I look upset about my cult culture all the time, young person is smart enough to smell that and they'll absolutely run free of that. Are you tracking with what I'm saying? And so it really comes back to my heart. It's a kingdom of the heart. Am I living my culture in such a way that a young person goes, dude, I don't know what's in your life, but I need a double scoop of that. And then in the winning of them, you go, well, this is our culture. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, when you've won them into your culture, then yes, you're able to hold others who bought in. There's a level of accountability. But I just see this so often in my young leaders and circuit riders is they like, this is going to be real raw. So just personalize it only if you feel the spirit saying it for you. But I'm just trying to give you real human principles right now. Is this is uh, usually... Uh, we lack inspirational capability, and so when we do, we revert to demanding things. That's leadership 101. That's not even a Christian principle. That's business principle. Is people lack the ability to get others to do what they need them to do, so they move from transformational leadership, which is all about a paradigm of inspiration and inviting people in, into a form of leadership called transactional leadership. This is a whole subject, thousands of books on it. You should go buy one or two, take a class, get a degree in it. But transactional leadership versus transformational leadership. And, and just an ultra boiled down version is this. Can I give you a super simplified version? Is transformational leadership operates on a paradigm of inspiration. I'm inspiring you to do something by casting a vision for a future and an existence that's bigger than you. I'm giving you an opportunity to be a part of something bigger than you that's so exhilarating, it'll give meaning to your whole life. How many of you want to be a part of that? That's why we spent the whole day yesterday on what's your why. And I pulled you out of a small-mindedness existence, which does not motivate you, and it won't motivate our generation, into a bigger existence. Remember, the whole prophetic word was God was giving a vision to the generation that was bigger than any one person, bigger than any one organization, bigger than any one movement. It was God-sized, and it's what's God doing in our generation. And then I told you there is a direct invitation into your life to be the leader of that movement. How many of you yesterday were just like, dude, I am all in on that kind of a vision? Raise your hand. It's because it's transformational. It's inspiring you unto something greater. It's values driven. So yesterday you're reaching beyond yourself for something that's value driven. That's transformational leadership. So you as the DTS leader, and I told you this yesterday, I feel like I'm so off the bath of what I was going to talk about today, but I'm just going to go with it. Is this helpful? But I'm telling you, there is a temptation in leadership to go, Sam will be our transformational leader. I'm not good at inspiration. Andy Bird is. Hey, can we get Andy in here to inspire us all again? No, because Andy's out there trying to inspire the globe. It's called the sin. He's trying to create a missions movement to help all of us fulfill the Great Commission. So my point is this. Andy's doing his work out there. We got to do our work here. And sometimes as leaders, when we are short on transformational leadership skills, we try to farm that out. We're sourcing that out. But the Lord is saying to you, no, you must become the transformational leader. 
I remember for me, one of the hardest moments I had, I worked for Brian Brent for 20 years, who was the most inspirational person that I've ever met on the earth. Just an incredible gift. And I was so great at transaction. You guys know what transactional leadership is? Transactional leadership is a system based on rewards and punishments. Think about every workplace. If you show up to work on time and do your job great, I will give you what? Paycheck. It's called transaction. So what does that look like in a missional context? I know this is so crazy. I feel like just brains are oozing out of ears right now. Because it seeps into the kingdom. It really does seep into the kingdom. And you see this transactional leadership is so much easier to access because it's human nature to go do what I'm telling you to do and I'll reward you based upon that. So opportunity is a form of currency in the ministry. You have so many young people who are saying, I'll do anything you say, give me opportunity. And you have so many leaders who are short on inspiration, so they wield opportunity as a currency. If you do this, I'll give you that. Am I the only one who's ever done that? Listen, I really need, it's just such an elementary form of this, but I'm trying to give you real examples. Not to pick on you, I'm literally putting my life on display right now telling on myself. But just like, listen, I need you to set up the chairs in the tent. It's the job that nobody wants. I love you so much. I'll buy you coffee this morning. Am I saying that that's bad? No, but I just want you to know that we're completely operating on a transactional paradigm. I know that's such a basic example, but I'd want you to grab for a second the amount of times that that happens in our daily life in our YWAM ecosystems. I need the young person to do something, so I'm looking for a way to reinforce a behavior. I need you to come to the prayer room because when you come to the prayer room, anointing's going to fall in your life and God's going to fulfill all your promises. Kind of technically true, but I'm promising you a rewards-based system. So you're not intrinsically in the prayer room to touch the glory and walk with God. You're in there intrinsically for what you can receive. Do you guys see at a human level how often we resort to that? Because I don't know how to inspire you unto the highest reason why. Man, I've just got thousands of stories from my own life where I would have the terrible realization of like, I need you to do something and I don't know how to get you to do it. And so my mind just starts to spin through. How can I offer rewards? Hey, can you do this for me and you can come in late? Hey, can you do this for me and you can go home early? Hey, can you do this for me and you'll get opportunity? You'll get to do the devotion in the morning. Hey, can you do this for me and I'll high five you and be your friend more? Hey, can you, do you see what I'm saying? So humans every day are always dealing in currency of transaction. Now, I want to look at the, that's all reward-based. I want to look at the punitive side of this. I know this is a little bit of leadership philosophy. Is this too much, guys? But I want you to just know that I just struggled with this so intensely because fundamentally, and, and this is, I'm kind of getting to the bottom line, is I lacked depth in my spiritual life. So I was not living my life based on being inspired by Jesus. I had a rewards-based system with Jesus. It's called striving and fear-based and performance reality. And so when it came to lead others, the only currency I had to pull on was that which I lived on with Jesus. So some of you in the room operate completely on a rewards-based system in your mind with Jesus. The problem is Jesus doesn't operate on your system. So the problem is if you have a rewards-based philosophy with Jesus, when it comes time to lead others, guess what system you'll rely on? How many of you, be honest with me, feel like when you come to lead, you have a little bit of a default towards this, like, hey, bro, I need you to be here on time. You were not on time, and we're going to have a one-on-one -on -one about that right now. And so why, what is that? 
Why am I leveraging them in that front door way? There's a place for that, by the way. But I just want you to know if that was your step one go-to, you completely skipped over anything inspirational, you're operating on a transactional level that will never draw a young person. I feel like that was so intense. That was such a mic drop. So you have to face that. I had worked for Brian Brent for 10 years. And Brian could get anybody to do anything. How many of you ever met Brian? How many of you ever had a moment with Brian where you just felt this unexplainable desire for like, dude, name the ask and I'm in for it right now. And he had a way of just drawing you. Well, there's a lot behind that. I think Jesus is the ultimate example. But number one, you never doubted that Brian loved you and existed for you. So you had a completely outward focus. Number two, he had a way of making you feel seen and known for who you are. Because he did see you as you were in God's eyes, not as you see yourself. So he was operating on a totally different plane the moment he saw you than you operate when you see yourself. And so it drew that inspiration. Does that make sense? Okay, so I would worked for Brian for like 10 years, and I couldn't get anybody to do lick. And I was supposed to be a leader. Am I the only one who's ever had these conundrums? Or you guys are, maybe you're all inspirational leaders, and everyone wants to do what you say every day. I don't, it's not my reality, you know? And so I was leveraging all the time. The way I would try to get people to do this is I was lean harder on them. I would mandate things. I would set rules. I would create like, um, you need to do this if this. I need you to sign this agreement. I'm not saying those are anything wrong, but they're all rewards punishment based. There's no inspiration in that. So it used to be 50 years ago, if a young person wanted to do something, they had to join an organization. But with the invention of social media and basically individualistic influence, all of that has been completely deconstructed. And I just want you to know the young person does not need your organization to go out and be influential, and they know it. It's called TikTok. We deal with it every day in California. They want to join the movement, but they want to do it on their terms. And essentially, we live in a modern day where they can say, I want to operate independently from you. So what am I going to do with that young person? You're going to look them in the eye and say, you must do this. I'm mandating it for you. The young person is just going to go, have a great day. I'm out, dude. I'm going to go influence my generation for better or for worse. But could it be that God has brought a catalyst for their generation to your front door? And he's saying to you, my assignment to you is to love them and win them over. You're going to be offended by everything they do. Don't be offended. Rise above that. Have an unoffendable heart. How many of you had an unoffendable heart session in your week and that was like, oh, so good. Oh, boy, we better fix that. That was like 10 people right there. Okay, is this, you see what I'm saying? So inspiration, dealing with in that, moving in that. So I had this key moment where I talked with Brian. I went to Brian privately and I said, bro, I feel like I'm struggling so much as a leader to just lead because I feel fundamentally people don't want to do what I'm asking them to do. And Brian just gave me this really simple sign. Brian was so loving and so kind and indirect. But there were a few moments along the way where if you asked the right question, you got pure medicine. (laughs) Who's ever had a moment where you got straight medicine? And you were like, boy, I didn't know that was coming, but amen. And he just basically said something along the lines of like, well, Matt, you have to go back and really ask yourself the question, what about your life is inspiring that would make them want to do what you're asking And he goes, the breakdown's not on their end, it's your end. And he goes, and it takes an encounter with Jesus and a complete change in your philosophy of leadership. And that started a journey for me to go back and go, I've got to get rid of all these transactional tools. Maybe not get rid of them, but learn to use them sparingly. And I want to become someone who's inspiring towards others. Does that make sense? So I'm trying to invite you into that tension now. How many of you feel tension in your inner man when I say this? 
I want to invite you into that tension now versus in 10 years telling you that. At 18 years old, there's no reason you can't be a transformational, inspiring leader right here, right now. There's no reason you can't be someone that the second they come off that van, that you can engage them in ways that inspire them, where they feel the love of Jesus, they feel that sense of outward focus, and they go, man, something is different about you, and I'm all in on what you're saying. So I'm trying to draw you into that place. Everyone say transformational. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get into groups of four, and then I'll give you an assignment. All that was just out of the blue. So, hey, listen, if that wasn't from God, I'd just strike it from the record. Lord, delete all our memories and just start again. Here we go. Groups of four, I want you to turn your chairs towards each other. You're going to get in a physical circle. You're going to need your Salvation Encounter books. Grab your Salvation Encounter book. Ready, set, go. Let me have everyone's attention. We're going to activate into a prayer exercise. We're going to activate in the prayer exercise. I'm really stepping out in faith today. We're just going to go ham and trust God to show up. How many of you are in on that? Raise your hand. Okay. I know the spirit's on you, in you, ready to go. So here we go. Right now we're going to do a session called Original Design. This morning, so obviously you have familiarity with it. That's fire. But my number one leadership development goal for you is that you would have an absolutely transforming experience with original design in such a way that this would become a foundational leadership philosophy for all of your interactions in life. Yesterday, I invited you into a culture where I said, what would it be like if fire and fragrance engaged every person in every room they went in every day? What would your life be like and what effect would you have on every room? It would be absolutely transformative. Today, I want to cast this vision for you. What would your life be like and what would your effect be like if every person you encountered at all times, you were constantly online with the Holy Spirit, asking the Lord internally, how do you see this person? And I will only relate to them according to what heaven says. Everyone say amen. amen. Here's what I've seen, and I'm not putting this on you. So, hey, Colorado Springs, we built, we built a lot of relationships yesterday. So if you're coming, there's a measure I know of just I'm getting down to it, directness. So just bear with us. Are you guys good with that? Yeah. So what I'm saying is this, is we've been doing this work for 20 years on YWAM bases across the globe. Everywhere we would go, we would say, raise up prayer teams, raise up prayer teams. In leadership, you have to know how to move someone from A to B. Leadership, in essence, is moving people from A to B. How can you do that if you don't know where someone is at in their A? And how can you do that if you don't have God's mind for what the B is? Like, if I have no concept, tell me your name. Dylan. Dylan. Are you from Colorado Springs? Team? Way to go. Let's give it up for Dylan right now. Yeah. Woo! Like if Dylan and I are running together, and the second I meet Dylan, if I'm not in my heart, from my heart, everyone say heart. heart. You can do all the moves I'm about to teach you. I just want you to know, you can do all of these absence of your heart. And there's zero transformation on that. It's purely transactional. And I see this all the time, full disclosure. I just want you to know that. People learn the mechanics of the prayer. They even can hear the Holy Spirit. But I want you to know the Spirit will speak to you to the level of depth of your heart. So if you're looking for a transactional word of encouragement, the Spirit will give you a transactional word of encouragement. If you're looking at that encounter as your one opportunity to shift the trajectory of that person's life, the Spirit will speak to you according to your faith. 
So before you ask the Lord one question, you have to ask yourself this question. Where is my faith at? To what level of hunger and thirst do I long to hear the voice of God? To what level of hunger and thirst do I desire to have God's mind for every single person in this tent? And that my thoughts about you are irrelevant because they will do nothing to transform your life. But if I can tap into the mind of God, then you will be transformed in every encounter we have. And I see this so much that original design is wielded as a positive tool of encouragement, but it's functionally lacks teeth to it. Does that make sense? It is remains then in the freedom week. If a freedom week is even done, which a lot of times it's not. And so it's a one-time thing. Like I meet students and I'll go, did you have a freedom week? And they'll look confused and go like, yeah, I think we did. Did you get an original design? They'll go, I think so. And I'll go, how was it? And they'll go like, I wasn't sure. I mean, it was fine. So you have to press in past that. And what I'm saying, that's the heart of the leader. The leader presses in. The leader presses in to go, what's the mind of God? What's the heart of God? And I'm not waiting for a freedom week to ask God. Are you guys tracking what I'm saying right now? Like the second I meet you, my mind is thinking, what is the mind of God for you? And I might never tell you that because it's, to me, irrelevant so not so much about me talking to you. It's about me agreeing with God. So original design is much deeper than just a unique word of encouragement moment. I want to challenge you on this, and I'm challenging Kona specifically, but I'll just go ahead and take the chance to call, uh, challenge Colorado Springs because you're here, so welcome to the, to the throwdown session right now. But I'm you know, here with Fire and Fragrance. I'm challenging Fire and Fragrance publicly to raise up prayer teams. You do not currently have prayer teams that are systematically trained in how to set every single person free and move everyone from A to B. But the tools are available to you. I'm going to need the whiteboard. Sorry, guys. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Let's give it up to the guys right now. Yeah. <clears throat> so here's what I'm going to attempt to do is we're going to do a, basically a condensed, downloaded freedom moment. You're good there. We'll just, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, do we have markers for it? Okay, fire. We're going to do a condensed deal. So just so you know, typically in a DTS context, this would be a full week deal. I'm basically going to try to condense this down into about an hour and six minutes, complete with activation. Totally impossible. I don't know how that's going to happen, okay? But it might just bleed into tomorrow. Is that cool? Okay, so original design. I want you to go to your Bible real quick. Grab your Bible. Go to Psalm 139. I'm going to give you two anchor uh, verses. Okay, grab your Bible, go to Psalm 139. I'm going to give you two anchor verses. Psalm 139, and we're going to read verse 13 through 18. Okay, says this, Psalm 139, verse 13 through 18 says this, For you created my inmost being, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written before you're in your book before one came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Where I would count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. And on so it goes. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to look at verse 10. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship. Everyone say workmanship. workmanship. 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So when you bow your head, the key question that I always like to ask, I have two or three questions that I'm always asking, and there's no right or wrong on these. Just pick the one that resonates, you know. But you can ask this question. Lord, what is your original design for, sorry, tell me your name. Bentley. Sorry? Bentley. Like the car? Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah, Bentley, let's go. Okay, what's your original design for Bentley? Great question. Because you know what? The Spirit knows what you're asking. So sometimes we've got to get out of this philosophy of performance that the Spirit's waiting for you to say the magic code words to give you the download. doesn't work that way. The Spirit knows what you're reaching for. The Spirit will respond. Okay, sometimes I'll ask this. Lord, when you look at Bentley, what do you see? Because you're getting the mind of God. Does that make sense? So use one of those two. Super basic. I'm showing you how to do this. This is very much a how-to practical skill set session. So yes, I know you can do any skill without heart. That's called religion. But that doesn't make the skills bad. It makes the lack of heart bad. So let's not be afraid of skill sets that are going to make you sharper in leadership. So two questions. What is your original design for Bentley? Or God, how do you see Bentley? Okay. Number two is this, then everybody hears and everyone speaks. So we have to break out of a passive model of hearing the voice of God where it feels risky. And I wrestle with this too. Is that really you, God? How many of you, when you hear the voice of God, you wrestle at times with, is that my voice or God's voice? No, no, come on, put your hand up real loud and proud. Okay, so I've learned this in my, this is leadership development. Here it goes. I have learned in my life that the prophetic completely can be blocked by unbelief. So when you're operating in unbelief, it shuts the voice of the Lord down. It's not that God's not speaking. It blocks my ability to hear. Does that make sense? So what I'm saying is we've got to activate faith. Let's all pray together, and I want you to pray with punch. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That's good, but let's surge a little bit more. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We activate faith. God is a speaking God. God is a speaking God. I hear his voice. I hear his voice. I want to hear it more. I want to hear it more. God will speak. God will speak. He's never not speaking. Lord, I pray you to elevate our faith in the room. We make a commitment to you, Jesus, that when we bow our heads and we listen to you, we're going to step out in faith on what we hear. Number two, we say, Lord, that we're not speaking for effect. So we're not waiting for the person to be wowed by what we said. We're speaking in obedience to you. So we will say it and press forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I want you to do this. Do we have any groups that need a salvation encounter? Do you have extra? Is that what they're here for? No, not necessarily. Keep going. All right. I want you to do this. You're just going to start to pray and get God's original design for that person. I'm going to coach you as we go, but I want everyone to receive original design. I want you to ask the Lord this. You're asking for the Lord for three things that mark the person. Three things that mark the person. Just three things. God could speak infinitely, but because of time constraints, we're activating three. Okay, here we go. We're going to go for a few minutes and then I'll interrupt you. We're going to flow in a coaching way between activation coach, activation coach. So when I say go, I want you literally to jump in and attack it. When I say pause, I want you to pause. Ready, set, go. Someone just take leadership and go. Just take leadership and go. You're going to switch leadership every time you switch prayer. Okay, I want to pause you. 
Just pause real quick. I know I'm totally interrupting the flow. Don't worry. The spirit's not quenched. He's right there. He'll be right back, okay? Okay, I want to give you a coaching tip that has helped me. A couple of things. Can I give you really practical things that will help you in this mode? Can I do that? Okay, number one, the higher your faith, the more the heavens are open. Okay, so number one, great story is um, when God began to break out in Tacoma with the prophetic, the number one thing I deeply longed was to hear God's voice. And I've seen God pour out and respond to hunger. The Bible commands us to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So I just want to say that the voice of the Lord is equally available to anybody in here. And I want to challenge you to stoke up hunger in your life for a greater spirit of prophecy. Acts 2, Joel 2. Listen, there's no, man, guys, track with me right now. There's no way we're getting to 80 million and 200,000 trained and sent without everybody moving in a whole new level of spirit of activation on prophecy. And it won't be like a cool moment. It will just be like getting out of breakfast, uh, getting out of bed and eating Wheaties in the morning. You'll just be like, we just hear God's voice because you've got to. There is no other option. I want you to imagine how life would be like if you didn't have the ability to see and hear. Could you live? Yes. Would you live as swiftly as you do now? No. So I just want you to imagine like we've got to break through in a sense of hearing God's voice. It's our inheritance as a movement, as a mission. And I want to challenge you to raise the level of hunger. I have seen people who had zero ability to see visions and hear God's voice go into a season of a divine baptism of hunger, literally gripping the chair full, uh, and crying out to God. I've seen them come out of the other side of that with the strongest prophetic gifts of anybody I've ever seen. So I've seen God take people from the least to the most incredible laser-like deal. Number two story, great story, is when I got married is uh, my wife and I started to operate as a prayer team. I'm challenging you guys to raise up prayer teams on your staff who systematically work this way. It's a muscle. You exercise. There's cohesion. You have to learn the teamwork. You need reps after reps after reps. When you get those hundreds of prayer reps under your belt, that's when you start to move in a sharpness. So it can't be something you tap into once a quarter. It has to be your culture and your lifestyle. When you do, you will begin to experience a power in that space, okay? When I was, uh, we were newly married and we had this prayer time in Tacoma. And, uh, people would come every week from out of state to receive prayer, just to set the setting. So when the service was over, we would have a line out the door for people waiting for prayer. So just want to set the tone. What would that be like if you were in here today and I said, this is your prayer team. Hope you're running hot because we got a line running down to Kuakini right here and they're waiting for you. We're just going to pair you up and you're going for it. So that's what it was like. So you have to put yourself in a position where you're desperate for the spirit. If you're in your comfort zone, your gifts will not be activated. You have to take a risk. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. So if you're just in your comfort zone, that's the level at which the spirit will hit. Does that make sense? But when you're looking at the person who says, I've driven eight hours because I desperately need a miracle and I'm looking to you, that will go like, oh, okay, well, we're, let's, I'm going to bow my head right now and God's going to speak. How many of you feel like that's totally a different exercise than what we're doing right now? Not because you're bad. I'm just saying like when someone goes, I need a miracle and I'm depending on you hearing the voice of God, it's a totally different activation. So we were in this prayer time and uh, I was asking the Lord for original design. And I'll never forget, my wife was just like, she just kept looking at me. And we have this code face for blank screens. Blank screens just means you're asking and I'm not hearing. Does that make sense? How many of you have ever had a blank screens moment? 
So my wife just kept looking at me. She was like, I got nothing. I'm not seeing anything. I'm not hearing anything. So I went transactional leadership mode and just bared down on my wife and just said, well, come on, you got to try harder, you know? <laughs> that didn't work out good, just so you know. And so don't recommend that, husbands. Don't, uh, that was a bad husband move, and I've learned a lot of lessons since then. But I'm giving you the real story. How many of you have ever been in a moment where you need the voice of God to break through? You're depending on your buddy to hear God, and they don't hear God. What do you feel? You're like, dude press in right now. How many of you have ever looked at your buddy like, try harder, listen harder. We're all waiting on you to have a miracle right now. So I want you to get into that miracle space of depending on God to break through. So Brian walked into our room because in these days, Brian and Christy would roam from prayer room to prayer room to coach. And what they were looking for is if you had prayer teams that were stuck. How many of you have ever been on a stuck prayer team? And so they walked into our room, and Brian knew immediately, like, oh, I see what's happening here. <laughs> you guys are stuck. Are you guys doing okay? It's so quiet right now. How are we doing? And so Brian looked at me. He goes, Matt, how's it going? I was like, well, um, to be honest with you, we're not hearing a whole lot. And so I'll never forget. It was just such a pivotal moment in my life. And he goes, okay, Matt, let's try something. He goes, you just hang out here. I'm going to ask the Lord a question, and Laura will hear the Lord's voice. He just said it like that. And I was like, okay. And he just goes, Lord, what's the person's original design? And my wife just goes like, picture number one, picture number two, picture number three, picture number four. It was like spirit of prophecy just unleashed. So I'm sitting there. Can you guys imagine what I'm feeling? Like, what the heck is going on? I was a little bit like, can I be real honest with you? I have a husband, wife, mom. Any, do we have any newlyweds in the house right now? Oh, you're a newlywed? Praise God. Let's go. Do we have any non-newlyweds, but you're newlyweds in your heart? You've been married a long time, and yet, oh, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, spirit of prophecy right there. Boom. Okay, so real marriage moment. I wish I could tell you I had a positive response, but in my heart, how many of you guys know what was really going on in my heart? Yeah, you're laughing, you know. I was like, what's up with that, Laura? You know, you're, like, you're not hearing nothing when I ask. Hearing something when he asks. Okay, that's a real marriage moment. So Brian, after the prayer time, he goes, hey, a little coaching tip for you, Matt. He goes, do you want to know what happened there? And I go, yeah, I would love to know what happens. He goes, well, really easy. He goes, I have faith you did not. And so he goes, I have zero doubt that the Lord wants to speak to Laura. And when I ask, I'm in faith. And when you ask in faith, God will move. And he goes, you're unsure that she'll hear. And so your question is filled with unbelief and it doesn't activate the voice of God. So I want you to know in that moment, I walked away and I had a revelation that was transformative, which was this. When you're going to lead out in prayer, you move in faith. Everyone say faith. faith. Say it again. Say faith. faith. And faith changes the outcome of your prayer time. And sometimes we have too many prayer times that are steeped in unbelief. They're not dynamic and transformative prayer times. And we walk away with a question mark like, huh, we'll just chalk that one up to the mystery box. But then the mystery God box gets bigger, bigger, bigger with more prayer times that are not dynamic. But yet we buy into this religious philosophy that it's good because at least we're in there churning it out in prayer. Is there a time for churning it out in prayer? Yes. But if that's the norm in your life, then you need to go back to Jesus and go, am I operating in a spirit of faith? Because you're never not speaking. Every team intercession time is dictated by this principle. Every original design is dictated by this principle. Every marriage is dictated by this principle. All your roommate relationships are dictated by your principle. Faith changes the outcome. So you as a leader have to be someone who goes, I'm raising my faith. Everyone say, I'm raising my faith. 
Okay, here's what I want us to do for 30 seconds. All collectively, I want us to cry out for a greater baptism of the prophetic. A greater baptism of the prophetic. And on this one, I'm not going to prompt you because I want it to come out to the sincerity of your level of hunger. I'm going to go 30 seconds. You cry out as much as you want to cry out, however you want to cry out. But I'm telling you this. Heavens are open for a baptism of a spirit of prophecy. I'm prophesying that. And it's on you to pull it down. 30 seconds, go. Okay, I want you to pause. I want you to pause. The second thing that limits the voice of God is your unresolved personal strongholds. So God is never not speaking, but when the pipe is clogged with strongholds, the voice of God can only trickle through at best. So your personal level of hunger, listen to what I'm saying. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Not your level of hunger when you're catalyzed from up front, because it's easy to be catalyzed into hunger to be free when someone's up here coaching you through. But in the secret place of your life, the level of hunger you have to be personally free and the level of aggression with which you attack your strongholds will either open the heavens over your life or it'll leave it constricted. Here's what I found in my life. True story. I've never once needed someone to lay hands on me to impart a spirit of prophecy. Here's what I did find. The more freer I got, the more the voice of the Lord broke through. God's never not speaking. The question is, what's in the way? So you have to start to get aggressive with the Lord to go, Lord, what is it that's blocking the voice of God in my life? And I'm just kind of being real loving right now, but real direct with you guys is I just can see it on your faces. There are some of you in this room that desperately want to hear the Lord's voice. But if you're honest, you're living in a blank screen zone. Have courage right now. How many of you would say that you're completely dissatisfied with the level of voice, the voice of the Lord, the level of accuracy and the level of power that you're currently moving in in the spirit of prophecy? Raise your hand if you're totally dissatisfied. Here's what I would say is that number one, God is always open for business for you to cry out for more. He's never not. You don't need a day of the week. You don't need an hour of the day and you don't need me up here saying crazy stuff to you. The Lord is available every day. There's not a day that goes by in my life. I don't say, God, I need a baptism of faith and I need a baptism of an Acts 2, Joel 2, spirit of prophecy. Your word says that in the final days, you're unleashing that on the earth. I need you to start right here. Everyone say, start with me. Number two has to be that aggression to go, what's blocking me? What is it that's blocking that voice? Can I tell you what my number one top nemesis were that hindered the voice of the Lord? Number one was the pervasive unbelief in my life. Is that the voice of the Lord? Is it me? Is God going to speak? Is he not? Is God going to use me? All of these things just became like a white noise in my life that drowned out the voice of God. The greater faith you have, the greater that will cut through with clarity. Number two was um, probably I would say for me was a spirit of fear. So the more that fear is running roughshod over your life, 
It will hinder the voice of God. You have to begin to resolve that and move in a greater level of courage. And then number three, this is just for me, might be, uh, you may not relate, but the third was I had a stronghold of anger in my life. The problem with the stronghold of anger is it will bleed into the voice of the Lord. So when you convey what God is saying, it will have an angry edge. Because whatever your strongholds are, if the voice of the Lord is able to come through, it will flavor the voice of the Lord. So if you have a stronghold of fear, your uh, prophetic words will always have an edge of timidity to them. If you have unbelief, your words will always have a non-committal unbelief edge to them. If you have a stronghold of anger, your words will always have an angry edge to them. But you'll feel justified in what you're saying. But what you're saying is the Lord saying, no, you're misrepresenting me. That's not what I said. It's not how I said it. So if you, leadership principle, leadership 101, you want to hear more, get free. Get free. And I wish that I could tell you freedom came in this session. Like, hey, we're great. That was nifty. Let's tie it all up and have a great week. But it doesn't work that way. Freedom comes in, in the nighttime when it's inconvenient. But your wife looks at you and says, there's something going on in your life. I don't know what it is, but it's affecting the whole house. You got to get free. There's a freedom comes in the early mornings, you know, when a husband says to his wife, like, man, I love you. I'll take a bullet for you. But there's something, there's a lid on your life and you've got to bust through that lid. You've got to hunger and thirst for it. Freedom comes when your roommates rally around you on a Friday night. You want to watch a show and they go, we just can't do it, man. There's something warring against your life. Do you want to be free? And you're, you're thundering for each other. That has to become your culture. And this is what I see is that freedom always gets relegated to a week. It never is adopted as a culture, the culture of Jesus. But I want to tell you this, everywhere Jesus went, somebody got free. It was never not happening. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, if you encountered Jesus, you were going to get vision and you were going to get free. You were going to get healed. You were going to get touched. So why is that not our culture? That has to come back then to our level of our hunger and our thirst. So here's what I want you to do according to the level of your hunger. And I'll let you dictate that. I'm not up here judging you. I'm just saying the heavens are open to pull on whatever you're believing God for. But to the level of hunger you have, I want you to call out that Jesus Christ would absolutely free you of every stronghold that's holding you back from moving in a greater authority, moving in a greater power, moving literally in the ministry of Jesus. Listen to what I'm about to say, and then I'm going to turn you loose. Jesus said in the book of John chapter 17, for the same reason I was sent to the earth, I am sending you out. So he literally says, I'm giving you my mission. So if everywhere Jesus went, everybody encountered transformation, that is what you're called to. Never not. On outreach, on not outreach, at home, at not at home, with family, with not family, Jesus ministry all day, every day. Here's what I found in my life. The level of Jesus ministry was a direct reflection of my hunger for it. Do I want revival in my personal life? Personal revival always precedes corporate revival. But we're depending so much on a corporate encounter. Send the revival. Send the revival. The Lord says, I'm waiting to revive you in your home in the secret place. So I want you to cry out for 30 seconds for absolute total freedom. Go for it. Hey, everyone, pause. 
Prayer team training. That's what we're doing right now. Prayer team training. This will sound mechanical, but I promise you what I'm about to say works. Passivity never works. Never, ever, one time anything good is passivity ever brought about. So when I'm in prayer team mode, you can do whatever you'd like. I'm not mandating it. Be free. But I never sit down because there's something about a sitting posture that activates a compartment in my heart that is just goes like, I'm going to passively listen to God. You don't have to stand. Don't, don't feel you're not being put on blast. I'm just telling you how I rumble in my house. Does that make sense? When I have people that come out, call my wife right now. You ask. My, anytime someone comes to my house for prayer, Matt doesn't sit down. Why does Matt not sit down? Because I know that if Jesus Christ does not show up in the room, you're dead and I'm dead. It's a total waste of time. I have nothing insightful to say to you, really, that will be transforming. And so my, my entire posture is an activation of hunger and thirst. There are times when sometimes Lord will say, Matt, I'm not seeing anything. Dude, I'm just up. I'm up. You're not seeing. Oh, right here. Jesus, we need you to pour out. Jesus, I need you to speak. Jesus, I'm not satisfied. Jesus, I thank you that you're speaking, God. So what doesn't work is this. Huh. You're not hearing anything. Hmm. Let's just wait. Just has never helped me one time. Because fundamentally, I'm approaching the Lord. There's an attitude associated with that laissez-faire. It's not performance. It's an activation of your will. Does that make sense? We're talking about 80 million saved, 200,000 sent. Listen to me. If you're in the room and you're asking, does it take all this? The answer is 100% it does and more. So you've got to activate your will. Everyone say, activate your will. Sometimes I don't shout because it'll freak people out. But I want you to know on the inside, I'm going ham. Sometimes I shout whisper. I'm famous for the shout whisper because I'm activating the heart. It's not the volume of your voice. It's the activation of your heart. Okay, number two. If I'm praying for someone, tell me your name. Dawson. Dawson. Okay, I want you to know that when I'm conveying what the Lord is saying... I'm not talking about how to get to Target from here. You just head down there. You whiz bang, you know, to the right. Hit the accelerator. It's going to turn out good. If you hit the water, you went too far. Amen. <laughs> no, you're declaring something. Every time you hear God and you convey it, is there that faith behind it that goes, I'm making a sound over your life that is shattering potentially generations of warfare. Dawson could be under hundreds of years of generational shadows. And the Lord is giving me something that's going to shatter that ceiling on his life. Or am I just kind of like, I don't know, bro. I just since got, you know, you're a son of the Lord. Do you guys say what I'm saying? Am I, I'm, I know this sounds so intense. I'm telling you how I govern my own life. I will sit in my chair and I will think to myself, is this the best that I've got? Someone's come to me. They're saying, help me. I've heard you hear God's voice. And I'm like, yeah, I do. I'll just butter you up real quick. Here's some ibuprofen. Call me in the morning. Or are you more leaning in? Let's listen to the God of the universe. What's he going to say? Do you guys see the difference in the two? So this is why I've seen communities don't cultivate prayer teams. Because in their activation, there's no power. There's no transaction with heaven. 
And so they relegate it to a powerless tool that visitors from the outside do. And I'm challenging you. I told you it's not DTS. It's leadership development. Leaders challenge that. You challenge that. You go, no, 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 no. We're going to the God of the universe. He wants to unleash. So when I pray for Dawson, I'm up, I'm activated, and then there's agreement. I'm agreeing with heaven. I'm thundering. So let's just do this. We're going to do a live. Is that okay? So you guys are my prayer team. So you're going to stand up with me. Here we go. Let's go. No, you don't stand up. Here we go. Did you guys pray for Dawson already? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember what you heard? Yeah. You did? Okay, what was the first thing you heard? Endurance. Endurance. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name that Dawson is a man of endurance. We agree with heaven. We impart endurance, grit, fortitude, fortitude in Jesus' name. Give him a forehead of flint in Jesus' name. Okay, I want to, and you guys aren't being put on blast. I'm coaching you through something. Can I, you let, will you let me coach you? It's one thing to say dribble. It's another to say this is how you do it. So what I'm trying to do is press you past those cursory skill sets. Because when that DTS student comes off the van, they're depending on you. Really, Jesus in you, but we're an active part of that. You know what I'm saying? So do you guys feel that's different than me going like, hey, I just see you're going to have endurance. So it's not that one's bad. What I'm drawing you into is that, is that ferocity. Do you see what I'm saying? So we always declare. We're standing up. We're declaring. I know this sounds crazy, but I literally believe that if I do original design with you, it might be the last time I ever see you in my whole life. So in my philosophy, in my worldview, I get one shot at shifting the trajectory of your destiny by taking a risk to say what I think I hear God saying over you. I don't know about you, but I fear God. I, that moment that God would send someone into your path and you're going to tap into the God of the universe and you're going to say, I'm hoping to shift your trajectory. It's completely different than like, I don't know, man. I'm just going to like, you know, hope you're stoked today. <laughs> so you guys are doing it. You want it. You've got the heart. You've got the passion. I'm not thundering on you. What I'm trying to do is I'm thundering over that spirit of the age that just says to us like, don't lean in. Don't hunger and thirst. Oh, we've got a whole Gen Z right now that's just like, why? And your whole life has to be leaning forward and saying, this is why. Yes. You see what I'm saying? So I want you to keep praying, but I want you to activate these tools as you feel led of the Spirit. I'll let you do what you want to do. But if you're feeling that desire for a little bit more punch, that's a really helpful tool to break me through. So let's keep going. Ready, set, go. Okay, I want to pause you. You guys are crushing it. Well, well, well done. So we're obviously short on time and we're long on content. So we're just going to pivot to the next question. So in systematic freedom prayer teams, question number one is always what's the original design? And you're tapping into this level of depth. So I'm showing you both the tool and how to apply the tool. Does that make sense? You can have a seat for a second if you want. I'll let you rest because you're going to stand right back up in a second. Okay, question number two is this, and this is the essence of freedom. What is your original design and what's standing in the way? Did you guys catch that? So what is the stronghold that is opposing you walking in the fullness of that original design? Does that make sense? 
So we just ask a really simple question. We just say, Lord, what's the original designer? How do you see them? We hear that. And then we just say, usually this is what Laura and I will do. You do however you want. We have learned over the years that the human soul can only endure so much prophetic revelation about the breakthrough they need. Did you guys catch that? Like nobody's really, none of us have the capacity to be told like you have 30 strongholds that you need to break broken for you. You're just like, I quit, dude. I'm just <laughs> I think intuitively we know they're there, but you're just like, can we just work on one at a time? Everyone say one at a time. So Laura and I's philosophy is this. We just say, Lord, what's one stronghold standing in the way? We're specific in our questions because I have had moments where I'm like, Lord, what's standing in the way? And Laura's like seven things. I'm like, whoa, time out. Hold on. I don't know that we can endure seven things. We need one breakthrough. Everyone say one breakthrough. One breakthrough. So you're going to do this right now. I want to be really transparent with you and say, that hearing the voice of God on original design is totally a fun and safe exercise because I'm essentially just going to tell you a bunch of great news about you. Does anybody know where I'm going with this comment? But the risk meter goes higher on the, on the stronghold piece because now I'm going to venture in by faith to say, this is where you're opposed by the enemy. You have a stronghold. Essentially what I'm saying, how, how are we doing? We tracking? What I'm saying is this is where you need to repent. So how many of you feel like that's like a totally different risk factor, especially if someone's brand new to the model? Like if we don't have a lot of relational credibility, just know like you need the Holy Spirit to show up. This is going to go really good or potentially it could go really bad. Can I get an amen? amen? But here's my thing. It's kind of what I said yesterday. This is the safest place in America, this group right here. If I can't take that risk with you, how am I ever going to take that risk anywhere else in the world? How am I going to know a student and say, okay, you know, first, uh, first group, we're going to all hear the voice of God together. So there's that risk that steps out. So here's what I want you to do is you're going to activate in prayer. Same exact skill set. The Lord's going to speak to you. What is one stronghold that's standing in the way of you moving in that original design? You're going to keep this really super simple. Does that make sense? How are we doing? You guys excited for this? Feels like a helpful tool. Think about what your culture would be like if we use these tools to help each other on a daily basis. What if your leadership team thoroughly worked through everyone on your leadership team and you prayed for each other on a weekly basis? How built up and encouraged and strengthened would your team be? Your DTS leadership team, if you carried this culture, how free would your team be? If your base carried this culture, how free would your base be? If all your people were trained in this and did this everywhere they went, how free would everyone who came into contact with your teams be? Do you see what I'm saying? So I'm pulling on you to adopt this into your culture because it's really what Jesus did. Does that make sense? So I want you to ask this question. You're going to go back around the circle and you're going to ask, let's do this. Is, um, yeah, just ask for that one key stronghold that's standing in the way. And then just by faith, you're going to begin to speak that out and share those pictures. And we'll just see how the Lord flows here. Ready, set? Oh, yes, I see a hand up. Yes, yeah, so you're praying for each person. And the purpose of your team is that everyone's collectively listening. So if you're multiple listening and you're asking for one thing, you inherently then go like, are you going to hear multiple things? I just always leave that up to the spirit. You'll be surprised how often everyone will go like, they'll hear the same thing. I always find that really encouraging because if someone's like, hey, Matt, you have a giant spirit of rage and four people heard it. I'm like, oh, man, that's tough. OK, well, it's like it's like I've got to get free of some rage. You know what I'm saying? Um, but if you hear multiples, I always just have, this is a practical thing. If you hear multiples and we're asking for one, I just always take it as bonus good news. So if someone's praying for me 
and they go, what's one thing that's blocking that? Which by the way, I use these tools on myself all the time. I can call Laura right now and just go, what's one thing that's standing in the way of me today? Do you guys get the sense of how limitless the applications are? What if you got out of bed and said, Lord, what's one thing you want to show me today about who I am that I don't know? And what's one thing that's standing in the way of me being full of life today? Do you think the Lord would hesitate to speak to you? Your whole day would change the trajectory of your whole day. What if you did this? If you're a DTS leadership team, I'm going to kind of go off script. Is that cool? But we always apply original design in an individualistic way. But how many of you know that your team has an original design? Do you think that your team was randomly put together or did God handpick you and put you together? If the Lord built you systematically and intentionally as an individual, then he put you on a team. Isn't it possible that the Lord has a purpose for your team? But have we bowed our heads and said, what's the original design of our team? And if we have an original design as a team, guess what you also have? Something is holding you back as a team. How would it change your six-month DTS team is that if as a team you bowed your head and you got the mind of God over how you're uniquely built and then what are the primary ways the enemy is going to work against you as a team and then you thundered on those, could it potentially change the outcome of your entire DTS? What about this? What about as a base leadership team? Have you bowed your head and said, Lord, what is the original design for our base? What is unique about us? What is the DNA that we carry? Not the big picture DNA. That's the YWAM DNA. But I'm saying what is unique about us? And if there's something calling for us, what also is there? What's coming against us as a base? How about this? Every married couple. If God built you individually and then put you into a marriage, does he have a purpose for the married team? Does the marriage team have an original design? On your basis, do you get every married couple together and go, there's so much demonic warfare against the structure of marriage in our culture. Could it be that new marriages under more warfare than anybody on our base? So we should get your marriage original design and we should find out what's working against you. Just so you know, when you have unresolved strongholds in your life and you come into marriage, you don't leave them in your singleness. They come with you. Can I get an amen right now? And they typically are really well suited to work against each other. So we have marriages that are struggling because we're not asking the Lord the right questions. How about this, children? Is this too much, guys? No. I'm trying to just show you culturally all the applications of this. Children, every child that comes out, do we know that child's original design? Does the community thunder in agreement over that child? Are they sacred in the sense of saying, we as a community will steward those children, and we will stand with mom and dad and believe for God who they are, and day one out of the womb, we know who they are, and we're agreeing with that. And then number two, what's an assignment against their life? And we're, we're getting ahead of the enemy. What would our next generation look like if they were raised in an ecosystem where the warfare was cutting off all the warfare coming their way? Does it mean they're never going to have adversity? Of course not. But could it minimize some of it? Yeah. So quiet right now. What's going on in your minds? Someone say something. What, what's hitting you? What? Someone said something back here. Who said conviction? Conviction, what, and that's okay. Tell me why. I wasn't trying to convict you, but tell me why that's hitting you. You got to say super loud. Yeah, just keep going after God. Yeah, super good. What else is hitting you? Yes, ma'am. Maybe realizing that, like, we don't view prayer as fun or important. Okay. Yeah, so good. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes, I love that. Let me just pop up, stay, stay with me. Zane, right? Zion. Zion, like I said, is, um, I'm going to come back to you, is, man, I, can I just tell you this? I'm going to talk about the, the YWAM culture for a second. The YWAM culture is so incredible. And we have so many people who come here, get utterly transformed, and then they leave us and they go into absolute dismay because the world does not understand them, who they are, or doesn't know what to do with them. How many of you know the common tale of they're flourishing here and they go home and then they deconstruct at some level? Who's ever had that? And so part of me goes, then we have to be that community that does what you're saying. That goes like, as far as when you're here, we are saying who you are. We're encouraging you that. We're relating to you in that. We're fighting for your future. Because I can promise you this, that's not going to happen when they go out there. So we got to be that in here. Does that make sense? And I found the more we do that in here, the sharper they are when they go out there to cut through the warfare. Because they'll go, I know who I am. My YWAM family built me up for this. Let's do uh, one more. Yeah, it's so good. The number, some of you may have heard this, but some of you won't. But it's deep in the YWAM history scroll is that this um, whole paradigm called the divine plumb line. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the divine plumb line. Okay, I just want you to know the original generation was built on Dr. Bruce Thompson's original, this original revelation called the divine plumb line. And we've lost that a little bit in our generation. But it was this idea that all of us are designed in the image of God and that with two essential ingredients, love and truth. And then when love and truth, one or both are removed, it swings your plumb line out of line and that's how entire false personalities are built out of strongholds. There was just like a 30 second deep dive on it, okay? But to my point here is this is parenting. This is my view on parenting is parenting is basically 100% about am I constructing your plumb line according to God's plan? Parenting is not a one size fits all. Your children are as unique as you are. So my point is if as a dad, I don't go to God and get the mind of God, how will I ever speak truth into that person? How will I ever speak love into that person that God has entrusted to me? How can I parent them into their destiny if basically I'm just applying a generic medicine that goes like, hey, don't color outside of the lines, be respectful, listen, love all those values, but there's no Jesus-like discipleship of that young one. How was it that when Jesus approaches uh, uh, um, Simon, he's able to say, hey, you're Peter on this rock. You're, I'm going to build my church. Does that make sense? He's speaking destiny. So I just want you to see the applications of this are limitless. Hey, we're out of time, so we're going to close with a thundering exercise. How's that sound? Is this too much, you guys? How many of you want to uh, do more of this? Raise your hand if you want to do more of this. Okay, so I need everyone to stand up. We're going to do an exercise. It's going to be super inconvenient, but I think it'll be fun. Okay, so I probably should have done more of this, but I did the best I could with what I had. Is that cool? So my wife and I spent some time before I came praying specifically for two of the school staffs.
from Fire and Fragrance. And we asked the Lord specifically for your school, your leadership team's original design as a team, and for what's coming against you. And I thought it would be fun because this is a whole kingdom principle, but in this ethos, uh, we thunder for one another. So it doesn't work to say, well, I'm a January school, so have a great school. Hope your culture turns out hot. But I'll be honest with you, it's happening in a lot of YWAM bases. There's so much siloing that just goes like, I'm more concerned about my thing than I am our collective thing. Where are all the YWAM bases thundering from one another? Why is YWAM base A not calling YWAM base B and going, hey, all I know is we need you guys and we're thundering for you right now. We've been hearing the voice of God. We're ready to serve you guys. We love you. Why isn't one nation calling another nation? Why, where is that sense of family gone? Well, to me, it begins here. Where we go, we're thundering with each other. It's quarter versus quarter, not verses, but working together. Everyone's saying, the better that we are collectively, everyone rises. Versus an unspoken inner competition that the falls where it's really at. And no one ever says that, that I've ever found, but it's a hidden philosophy down in the human heart that says, I'm great and you're not. Read tribal leadership, it'll tell you all about it. It's a worldview. So people are clamoring to get to the top to fulfill their calling and instead of pushing for one another to break through. How are we doing? So I thought what we would do is just thunder in agreement over your staffs. And I thought, number one, it would be a fun exercise. And it's actually we're going to transact in heaven right now. But number two, I thought it could model for you how this could work. And then I would just say to you, the sky's the limit. Why is FNF Kona not thundering for, uh, for Colorado Springs? Why is College Springs not doing that back? Like, we should make this our culture to go, this is how we rumble. So here's what I need to do to make this work. I'm going to focus really quick. I've got nine minutes. I'm going to mess that up. But I just want you to know, we're going to go as fast as we can. Crystal, how are we doing right now? We're so good. Okay. Have you guys done all this and they all know all this information already? Okay. All right, here we go. So I need the fire and fragrance fall school staff. Raise your hand if you're fall school staff. Okay. What did he say? Sam says in faith, if you don't, listen, this is real. This is real. If you don't know which staff you are, but you want to be fall staff, for this exercise, you just got recruited. Here it goes. Boom. Okay, here we go. So for this to work, this is how we do. This will be a little movement, but I need you to do this quickly and efficiently. I need all the fall school staff to come right into the middle of the tent under this center beam. Okay? And everyone else is going to gather around them, and you're going to press in on them. Go quickly. Got 10 seconds. Get them in the middle. Fall school staff, raise your hand. Okay, press in in the middle. Press in in the middle. Come around them, everybody. All right, here we go. Real quick, let me have your attention. Here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to declare out over you what we heard, which is just limited by what we heard, okay? And each attribute, we are then going to, as a corporate family, agree over you with. We're not passively recommending these. We are declaring these into heaven over who you are. Everyone say amen. amen. How many of you guys are ready to rumble right now? Let's go. All right, here we go. 
We ask the Lord, how many things marked you as a fall school? This is the first thing that we heard. Number one is this. The Lord says you are fire and rain. We heard the fire was the burning catalytic way, so you're a catalytic group. The rain represented the love of God, okay? The care and the healing from the loving ministry deeply to people. So here we go. We're going to all thunder and agree that God would deposit in you both catalytic fire and a deep capacity for radical kingdom love, fire and love. One, two, three, go. God, we just unleash right now your full fire. We ask for an impartation in Jesus' name over them that they would be fire and rain, unleash a catalytic anointing, unleash a deposit for love, a deposit for love, a deposit for love. Okay, pause. Number two is this. We heard the Lord said your entire group is prophetic. Spirit of prophecy. The Lord wants to increase the gift of the prophetic. And my wife saw a picture of God was dumping spiritual gifts on you as a group. So here's what we're going to do. Listen, we're all going to agree. We're declaring this is a prophetic group. Every person, no one's not. And number two, I want you to pray literally that heaven would be dumping out prophetic gifts on them. And by gifts, I mean things they could not do today, they miraculously can do tomorrow. One, two, three, go. God, we just unleash that spirit of prophecy on them in Jesus' name. Pray for dumps to be gifted on them. Dump gifts to be dumped on them. Gifts to be dumped on them in Jesus' name. Okay, everyone pause. Okay, number three, the Lord said as a group, you're marked by a burning for the nations. And we all burn for the nations. So I want you to know when God goes out of his way to say you as a group burn for the nations, it's an uncommon burning for the nations. Okay, here we go. The Lord said that you are characterized as a group by hunger for Jesus to go to the hardest and darkest. And the Lord said there's visions for their life and the future will be pouring out on them as they lead. So the Lord's saying, as you lead out, you're going to receive new and fresh vision for your life. Many of us want vision before we go, but I have learned that vision comes as you go. So as you lead, vision will come. So here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray for a fresh burning for the nations to be deposited on this group. And that vision for their life would be unleashed as they lead. Go. Father, we just pray right now. You're burning for the nations on this group. God, you're burning visions for the nation. Pause. Here we go. Next thing we heard was as a group, the Lord uh, said this phrase, feet first. And we saw them leading the charge with joy, servant hearts, and passion. They were modeling what it looks like to, be, to the students, also setting the culture in the staff even now before the students come. So we saw you as a staff team moving in the culture you want to build now. You are not waiting for the students to arrive. You are not scrambling last minute the week before to go, what's our culture? But you are establishing culture now. So when the students land, they land into a healthy, agreed-upon culture. Everyone say culture. culture. 
So I want us all to pray that God would establish a deep culture in this team. Go. Father, we just pray for a deep culture. In Jesus' name, Okay, pause. Last one is this. It's the last one. How are we doing so far? You guys feeling joy over there in the staff circle? All right, here we go. This is the last one for today. The Lord said, you're different but united. And we saw that the Lord had put together a crew of confident, strong leaders, okay, and that you were building a culture of championing each other. You were celebrating the strengths and verbally praising each other. There was a culture of gratitude and deep encouragement, not flattery. So I want, I want us all to thunder on this. There would be, this team would be marked by deep unity. Ready, set, go. God, unleash that deep unity. In Jesus' name, over them. Okay, here we go. Second question. What's coming against you? Is this helpful? Yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to, we're going to thunder it out. Now we're going to speed this up just for time. Okay. I'm going to read all four of the assignments that are working against you where there were four things. The enemy was actively working against you. You didn't know it, but you're already opposed as a team. Wait, what's that? It means the enemy is not waiting to work against you for when the students arrive. He started yesterday. So if he started yesterday, you can break through today. Okay. So I see this in DTS teams all the time is people wait to realize there's warfare till three weeks in and there, and then you're trying to catch up. So let's get ahead of that. Here we go. So the way we're going to do this is I'm going to read out all four and I will ask everyone in the circle to choose one that you're going to break. So we're all collectively going to break all four by choosing one. Does that make sense? So we're speeding it up. Here we go. Four assignments. Number one was this. The first assignment against your team is complacency. And it was characterized by this. Listen, says this, says, I'm not a catalyst. I'm more pastoral. So we got a lot of leaders who are relegating yourself to pastoral work, resigning from catalytic work. What you don't understand biblically is that the pastor is the ultimate catalyst. So anytime you say, I'm not a catalyst, I'm more of a fill in the blank, just know this, that you've resigned to a life of comfort. Maybe you can't resonate with that, but if anyone in the tent can, amen, there you go. How many of you are going to take that one on when we shred this for our friends? That was like four people. Raise your hand if you're going to take that on. All right, there we go. Number two is this, coming against your team, we heard was pioneering loneliness and isolation. Okay, real quick, just to test this, have any of you on staff raise your hand right now, if you are totally honest, in this whole tent, how many of you currently feel like you're in a season of loneliness, but you're afraid to say that out loud? You do not feel seen or known for who you really are. Raise your hand. Raise it high. So we got to do something about that. Okay. 
It is difficult to be a leader and to pioneer. We must continue to reach out in interdependence. You do not need to suffer alone. You pray for each other. You encourage each other. How many of you are going to take authority over pioneering loneliness and isolation? Raise your hand. Okay. Here we go. Number three is this. We heard the Lord say that you all are high caliber leaders, but that it's time for you to take your own healing and freedom seriously. What does that mean to me? Anytime I challenge my leaders and circuit riders to take their own development seriously, what I'm saying is stop waiting for someone to come and develop you. Lean into Jesus and trust him to lead you. Okay, so who's going to take this on? It's just there would be that impartation for them to rise up and own their freedom and their process. Okay, number four is this. Yeah, basically, in simplicity, we just saw the filter over your staff team was clogged. So it was like you were trying to hear God and just it was blocked. So that would affect everything you do as a team collectively. It'll affect your team times. It'll affect your relationship times. It'll, it'll affect your strategic times. So you've got to unclog the pipes. Who's going to take on unclog the pipes? Boom, got it. All right, so take your assignment. Here we go. We're going to go 30 seconds. I want you to get buck wild and shatter that assignment. One, two, three, go. God, we just crush right now. That assignment in Jesus' name. We'll shoot to the end of our time. Here's the deal. It's pausing. It's 12.03. I'm totally harming your afternoon schedule. I get it. But I just think it'd be totally unfair to not now help the winter staff. So raise your hand if you're in the winter staff right now. Okay. So fall staff. Fall staff, spread out, make room. Winter staff, come in. If by faith you want to be winter staff, get into the middle of the circle. Winter staff, come into the middle. Quick, quick, quick. Hey, will Colorado Springs, will you guys be here tomorrow? Okay. So I love the dance circle vibes right now, but let's all press back in. Let's press back in. I get it. It's hot. I get it. Here we go. Okay, to speed this up, I'm going to read all five of what we heard marks you as a team. And then we're going to go radical agreement. Hey, guys, let's press in right here. No space. Let's, let's get in on them. Here we go. Five things that mark you as a school based on what we heard. Number one, the Lord says you as a staff are marked by a priestly anointing. Saw that the Lord has filled you with continual heart for worship and adoration, focusing on his presence. Someone's going to take that and agree in a second. Number two, Lord said you're marked by strength of leadership. Lord says David was a worshiping warrior 
God wants to infuse you with strength and force. It's not duplicitous. It's two facets of worshiping, carrying out missions as an act of worship and radical exploits. Okay, number three is this. As I'm reading through this, grab onto one. If one strikes you and you're listening, just go, okay, that's the one I'm going to agree on. So remember, number one was priestly anointing. Number two was strength of leadership. Number three thing the Lord said called you skilled surgeons. Saw that the Lord wanted to give them the keys to unlocking and healing people's pain in their hearts. This is interesting, though, because don't go passive mode on lean, because the next picture was we saw you wielding a strong sword to help students get breakthrough, helping them through painful past, helping them through strongholds. They're helping students identify and suture up the wounds. It's the doctor quarter right here. Okay, number four. We heard the Lord called you fear breakers. The Lord wanted to dump out a breakthrough anointing to see others radically set free. Just so you know, we didn't hear this from the Lord, but it's been my experience that if the Lord calls you a fear breaker, that usually means you're going to lead out in some crazy exploits, a.k.a. Code 4, just say goodbye to your comfort zone because the Lord's saying when you're a fear breaker, you're essentially going to lead out into the wildest exploits. And number five was this, you had a hunger for truth, a picture of you drawing people to the water where they could drink and be filled. All right, so grab one of those, and I want you to go 30 seconds of radical agreement. Go. In Jesus' name, we just radically agree over every single one of these. In Jesus' name, we say yes, we say yes, we say yes. Okay, and then for the sake of time, I'm just going to condense what's coming against you into two. That's not because you have less. It's just because we're out of time, and I want to get everyone to lunch. How are we doing? Guys, thank you for doing this with me. I just felt it was cooler when we did it together than if I just told you guys this, okay? This is, to me, what family is. This is how we thunder together, okay? Here we go. So I'm just going to condense it into two. The first one was really the same. My wife specifically saw that the first assignment was the same against both of you. So probably we should press in for your entire training staff. There's probably a common theme here, but that's okay. The Lord's telling us so we can press in and break through that. So the first one was an assignment of complacency, and it was that line, I'm not a catalyst, I'm a pastor. So we just need to break that for you guys. I just wonder if corporately there's something on all of us where God wants to shred the division of labor into, into pastoral and catalytic work. And my sense is that in leadership, you have to be willing to be both. Does that make sense? And number two was this, the Lord just showed passivity was pressing in on your team. And there was a desire to lean into what felt most comfortable for you. And so the, Lord, the opposite of that was the Lord was bringing up, he was welling up inside of you this desire to press into leadership and press yourself to grow in areas that you said were not you. Did you hear what I just said? There were specific categories where each of you have said, that's not me. The Lord took note of those and is now calling you to account on that. So he, the Lord is saying, I want to discuss the what you're not. And he's saying, I want to now move into what you are. Okay. So let's just do these two. So let's us all, as we're coming around you, pick one of those two. 
We're going to rumble and break through. Ready, set, go. God, we just pray right now there'd be a crazy breakthrough. In Jesus' name, a crazy breakthrough, God. A crazy breakthrough, a crazy breakthrough. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that passivity would be crushed, that complacency would be crushed. In Jesus' name. Okay, let's pause. And we're going to close with this one last deal. I want us to thunder. We're going to do this over both the fall and the winter. So now I'm treating you both as one because you are not separate. You are one. You are one team that is discipling the next generation and raising them up. And I think a big assignment in all of our bases is the enemy wants to create an unspoken division between the teams. It's like this. It's like you have multiple teams trying to build separate culture within culture. And I want you to know that individualistic culture never works. So you don't have a winter culture and a fall culture and a summer culture and a spring culture. You have one culture. It's called Jesus's culture. So it takes a coming together to say we're all chopping down the same tree, just two different sides. But we're doing it in the same spirit, the spirit of Jesus. So you guys aren't doing that. That's an assignment of the enemy. So what we're all going to do is you guys are going to agree that we're breaking a spirit of division that wants to put us on separate sheets of music. And all of us around you are thundering and saying this. We are, in a sense, symbolically are pulling you together into one harmonious team. It's like you're singing the same song. You might be harmonizing, but it's the same song. Does that make sense? So I need this Colorado Springs. I just feel spontaneous to do this. You need to attack this in your culture where you go, there's no duplicitous in our culture. We have one culture. We're thundering together. Does that make sense? But I do see that, and I don't know your guys' side. I see this in larger bases. It happens to us in circuit riders. We're always pushing against this. It's project teams inherently because it's human becomes siloed and you have culture here and culture here. And Nick and I are always disrupting those teams and saying, you got no culture unless you got the culture of Jesus Christ. We have one culture. So we're pressing in today as a family, as training staff, as a team, as a family today to say, if we have one culture, it's the culture of Jesus Christ. So I want for 30 seconds to go after a spirit of division that wants to build multiple cultures. We're saying no, we're declaring war on that, that we have one culture in Jesus' name. Go for it. God, we just call out right now. We destroy that spirit of division in Jesus' name. We command it to break off. God, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name that you would bring us into one category of agreement, 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 one culture. We break silos in Jesus' name. Okay, everyone say this with me. Say it out loud. We say yes. We say yes. To a culture of freedom. To a culture of freedom. We say yes. To one, culture, to one culture, the culture of Jesus. We say yes to fighting for one another forever. We're never not fighting for one another. Amen. Amen. Have a